0: Take your Bibles if you would to the Book of Daniel. I want to talk about a again, just like I did this morning, a well a well traveled passage, uh, but coming at it from a different uh, thought, trying to bring something out maybe a little differently to help us, as the Lord led me to do it. I've had this on my, this message on my mind for quite a while finally it came together be able to put it together um, it's easy to trust God in secure times a sailor is not made on calm seas I would love to tell you your whole life's going to be calm everything's going to be sweet work out fine I'd love to tell you that but you'd be a sissy boy sissy girl you wouldn't be very strong spiritually. Things have to go bad. They have to go south, as they say. I don't know why they always say go bad means go south, but if things go bad in New York City, people go south. Nevertheless, uh I think half of New York's moving down half of New York City's moving down here after that. You can't go into any indoor activity without vaccination. What is that? I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in Nazi Germany in nineteen thirty eight. Um uh, but anyway, uh, I'm over that. I think, I think I'm over it. Um, I I don't want storms. I I don't want a storm. I don't. God knows I don't want any more storms. I've had a lot of storms. I haven't had as lot of. Some people have. I mean, you know, you look around, you always see people with bigger storms, badder storms, darker storms, longer storms. But I've had my share of storms. I believe. I hope. But I'm not over it yet. I got more coming till I get to go home. Why? Because a sailor that's not tested is not a sailor. He's just an occupant on a boat. But I want to be. A, I want to be a sailor on the good ship of Zion, brother. And let God work through me. It's easy to trust God in secure times, times of ease, times of prosperity. Uh, I preach a message on I heard a few other messages preached on in prosperity, the destroyer cometh. That's usually when things go south, is <laughs> in prosperity. You gotta be careful. I don't, in fact, I don't know almost anybody in the Bible who survived prolonged prosperity. You, you think about that. Uh, we do our best in times of trouble. And, boy, again, I'm not asking for trouble. Times of peace are easy to live for being a Christian. Times of tranquility, times of rest, times of positive peer pressure. It's pretty easy for me to be a Christian among you folks. You know, you, you were of kind of pretty much one mind, you know. you know, I say, I got persecuted passing tracks. Hey, man, brother, me too. You know, I got persecuted passing Uh, But it's entirely a different story when things go bad. I'm going to talk to you about two times in the book of Daniel that you're well familiar with all the way from Sunday school if you've ever been to Sunday school as a small child. I'm going to talk about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and and, uh, the fiery furnace. I'm going to talk about Daniel and the lion's den, but not your normal, not your normal treatment of those two areas. So don't write me off. Like I already know the story, I already know where you're going. No, you do not. You know the story, but you don't know where I'm going. I'm going to read it so you have a good setting for it because not everybody in here is a mature Christian. Not everybody in here knows the Bible that well. Some people have never read this story possibly or maybe only heard it one time. So for their sake, I'm going to read it. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14 to 23. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, Is it true, old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are three Hebrew boys from the captivity of Babylon, they probably witnessed their moms and dads being slaughtered. They were castrated. Did I get that right, Tom? Castrated. And uh, made as servants of the people who killed their parents. How do you like that? And they weren't bitter. They weren't bitter. Daniel was one of them also. They weren't bitter. Wow. Most of us have got so bitter have been useless to God, but they didn't get bitter. They believed God was in the whole thing because, because Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel told them God was in it. And so, do not ye serve my gods, as Nebuchadnezzar said, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Nebuchadnezzar set up this big golden image, said, everybody, at the sound of the music, you bow down, worship this golden image. Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the uh, cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, so he had heard a report that they didn't fall down when everybody else did, and take the vaccination. I mean, uh, fall down and and uh, worship the image of the beast. He says, but if you do fall down. I'm good with it. But if you don't fall down, I'm not good with it. He says, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And I love this part, and this is the part he went wrong on. He challenged their God. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Ooh, that sounds like he's in a moment of power. Total power corrupts totally. 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer you about this matter. We're not going to have to meditate about this. And I preached on this part of it, verse 17 and 18, a while back, not long ago. If it be so, our God, whom we served is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. So, alternative one, 1. Um, He's going to deliver us. Alternative two, but if not, be it known to the old king that we will not serve thy God or take the vaccination. I mean, uh, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, we're basically not going to do it. Now, I'm not anti vac by the way. I just did that to wake you up. <clears throat> I took the I took the polio vac. I took all the vac. I was five years old. You know, my mom wrestled me down, and gave it to me, but nevertheless. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake and commanded that, he, that, that they should heat the furnace up one more seven times basically hotter than it had one be heated. Woo. And he commanded, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, the authority around us does not bear the sword in vain. They don't, they don't carry their gun for nothing. And so when you stand up against the authority, get ready for him to draw the sword. And that's exactly what he did. He drew the sword out. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army, that's the big boys, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into burning fire first. Now, they did not take their time in binding those boys. They weren't careful. They, were, they didn't care if they tightened the knots too tight to cut circulation off. They really didn't care. They bound a man. They put them hard in them. And they said these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments were cho- were cast into the midst of the, of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, the king's command was so urgent, Was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took them up. That's interesting, isn't it? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but did not, you know, they took up those three boys, but the three boys didn't die, but those three men that took them up died. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. These three Hebrew boys... We're basically asked to stand and trust in God in spite of everything around them. This could also happen with you and me and other people of God in the past history have had to do that. They had to trust God even past their own senses. Uh, they had to trust God even past their own welfare. Uh, they had to trust God in spite of the future of the fiery furnace and the demise of their influence for God here. Well, some lessons we can learn is, number one, I learn out of this, that it's rare in life if ever you're asked to give your life for God. I'm talking about give your actual physical life for God. It's rare that it happens. It doesn't happen historically often. The people of God are like these three boys put on the line where it said, you want, you're you going to give your life or you're going, to, you're going to bow to the golden image. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. But if and when it comes, we're supposed to trust God in the face of fear. In the face of fear, we're to trust God in the face of adversity or personal loss, You're just to trust God. These boys did not count their own lives valuable as a testimony to at that time Jehovah God. They laid down their lives for God, not theoretically, but practically. They did not reason within within themselves saying, and I've heard Christians reason about this, well, if I bow down now, I can fight later. All I got to do is bow down. I don't really mean it. And then he'll be happy. And then we can go about our business, and we're very influential people. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we're influential in their time. And we can be a witness for Jehovah for the rest of our life. Why don't we just bow down? That's the way your mind works. They could say, well, we'll submit to Caesar now, and then we'll be able to convert many to God in the life we have left. No, 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 a hundred times no. They drew the line in the sand because they were asking these three boys to do something that was sin. This is where we find out whether to obey Caesar or obey God. There's a clear definition. If Caesar tells you to sin against God, you never obey Caesar. Now, you got that? If God asks, if, if, if the government, anybody's authority, asks you to sin against God, you say no. Uh, it was made clear in Acts and other places. Uh, is it better to obey God than man when they were asked not to mention anything in Jesus' name? The apostles in the book of Acts, they said, Oh, that's easy. It's better to obey God than man. You tell me not to speak in Jesus' name, you're gonna to have to kill me, chain me up somewhere, put me somewhere, because you're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna fight you on it. And and whether uh, and I'm not going to Romans 13 and say, well there's no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God, and, you know, I'm supposed to obey them. I am supposed to obey them unless they cross that line and tell me to do something that I I know is sin. I'm not going to throw my life away on some frivolous maybe, but if I know what's sin, I'm not going to do it. And so... I don't think there's any wiggle room here, any compromise room here. God must be first. He will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 48, 11. For my own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it? For he should, how should my name be polluted? I will not give my glory to another. He's not going to do it. I've meditated about this this whole scene here of these three boys and facing this. I hope you have too. And I have to ask myself the question, how do these boys feel? How'd they feel? So if you've got a decent imagination, imagine with me some of this uh, at the scene here of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing before the king. They're evidently not too far away from the furnace. Now, you know you can hear a fire. It has a roar about it. It's kind of a roar about it, a fire. And then he said... Heat that fire up seven times hotter than it's ever been once it been heated up, so they really began to make some noise. That fire began to make some noise. Fire also puts out heat. So they could not only uh, see what was going on, they could hear what was going on, and I believe they could feel what was going on. They knew that this Nebuchadnezzar had absolute despot and had power of life and death on their body, total power over their body. But they decided to die Trusting God rather than the betraying. And so in many cases, God did not tell them how the outcome was going to be. I wish he would. But as soon as he told you the outcome, it has to be over. He's got to take you all the way through it to the other side. Remember, Remember the two alternatives. They were ready for either alternative. You put me into the fire, burn me up, I'm in heaven. You put me into the fire, I don't even, you know, they, they believed God could save them, but I'm not sure they knew how God was going to do that. He never gave them a heads up on that, but he knew somehow our God's big enough to save us even in the midst of fire. That's that's faith, man. Faith pleases God. And I, and it's the, the seal of the deal was when Nebuchadnezzar said, there's no God out there can deliver you out of my hand. That sealed the deal, because God goes, "Mm, it's time to teach Nebuchadnezzar a lesson about who I am. I love it when God bears his arm, don't you? Well, I read these passages, and I'll sometimes just weep and say, oh, God, bear your arm again. Bear your arm again. Show the heathen again one more time your power. Remember, he was showing the heathen because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they already knew God had power. So it was all for the heathen. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego already knew it. So this was for the heathen. So their hearts began. I believe this is the way it happened. And finally, when they said they wouldn't bow down, they saw the king get furious at them. He commanded the biggest bad boys in the army. Some big old weightlifters been to the gym a lot. I mean, big—you know—big, you know big, you know, maybe two, maybe 300 pounders came there. Solid muscle grabbed them. They weren't going to be able to fight them. They weren't going to be able to get away. There was no place to run. I believe their minds began to race. I know mine would have. My mind would have begun to race. You know, my breath would get short. I—I um, I would wonder. I wonder if God's going to let me go through the pain of. I, nobody wants to burn to death. I've talked to people who've been burned. And I'll tell you, I never felt such pain as that, being burned. No, nobody wants to be burned to death in their right mind. It's horrible. It's awful. And I imagine they, they were like, man, I wonder if it's going to be awful pain. They were human, man. They're human. Elijah was a man of like passion like we are. They're human beings just like we have. These weren't supermen. These were just regular people like you. And they just thought, man, you know, we're going to get cast in the lake. We're going to get cast in the Fiery furnace here. The big boys came up, put their hands behind them, didn't take their clothes off of them or anything, bound them up in what they were wearing. Probably tied them tight, by the way, which is probably possibly even painful. They may have been saying, I wonder how long God's going to let us suffer. I think they broke out in cold sweat. Now, cold sweat is, it'll be, it's like what you girls have once in a while, called hot flashes. It could be 60 degrees in here, and some of you girls will still be sweating. Right, Ellie? I see LA over there all the time. I'm glad to have you back, by the way. You, if you want to, you can get a little battery-powered fan. I won't mind it, and just be sitting there holding that up to you. You know, like, amen. You know, when they get some funeral fans, you know them funeral fans we used to have in the '50s and '60s. Do y'all remember when the air churches were not air-conditioned, and you had these funeral, the funeral would donate. Now I wonder why the funeral donated those fans. Because they want your business. That's why. That was bothered me as a kid. A funeral, don't if, uh, Well, You know, in the world, this guy's like hoping i drop over. Let's get some of them fans. Let's get a, a half a dozen of them and put one in front of Ellie's place there. <laughs> My wife probably could use one. So they felt their strong hands. These soldiers grabbed them roughly. The ropes hurt them. Hastily the soldiers picked him up, began to carry him on, their, maybe carried him like this, you know, on their shoulder towards the furnace door. I believe, I believe they had the cold sweats. I think fear, no doubt in my mind, fear welled up in them. If that don't make you scared, brother, ain't nobody gonna make nothing gonna. You come on, you're human. You're getting ready to be cast into this fire furnace. You can hear the roar of the furnace. Now you can feel the heat of the furnace. You're bound in ropes. These these big old boys are carrying you over there. and just in seconds, you're gonna be in the agony of the flame. How long? Nobody knows. They didn't know. I just got a feeling. Fear welled up in them. We're not exempt from that. And then, those three men threw them into the furnace. Somehow, they got so close to the door. The men died. Now you get. I know a little bit about physiology. I'm not an educated doctor, but to kill you with heat. Straight up and down, that's got to be pretty wild, right, Doc? I mean, just to kill you outright with heat, got to sear your lungs and hemorrhage you or something else. You got, I mean, to die from that, it's got to be pretty bad, right? Melt your eyes. I got imagination. Hair caught on fire. They threw the boys in. For a while, they're in the air. Boom, they hit the bottom. I don't think it hurt them when they hit, but they hit the bottom. You know, tuck and roll, <laughs> and uh, the ropes were gone. Obviously, the ropes were gone, right? But they looked, they still had clothes. They still had to clothes. Imagine them looking at each other. I believe maybe they're still breathing. You know, they're, they're still human, they're still breathing. I mean, they're going to pinch yourself to see, is this, am I dead? Am I dead? Am I in heaven? Is this what it's like? I got my clothes. I can breathe. I think the pain was gone. The fear was gone. Nothing but a beautiful, completed feeling that they passed the test. They stood for God. God was rewarding them heavily for that at that moment. And then the biggest reward was an angel of God came. Now, some say it was Jesus pre-incarnate. Could have been. Don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I can tell you it was an angel of God in the fire, and they were walking with him, talking to him, you know, maybe explaining what's going on. You know, you stood for me, so I'm saving you, and and pretty soon he's going to call in here. The old Nebuchadnezzar, he gets upset. He runs over there. This time he goes from anger to astonishment, and so he comes up to the door, and, Hey, is that you? Come here. Who was that one else walking with him? He wanted to know. What I want to bring out tonight is they were willing to trust God in spite of all those emotions, the fear, the sweat. You know, sometimes when God asks you to stand for him, he's not going to take away all that preamble that may happen before and by the way, they were also willing and ready to suffer the actual physiological pain of dying in a fire and go through it. Man, oh man, I respect these three boys. Amen. I think I think of another case. Let's go to Daniel chapter sixteen, chapter six. Daniel chapter six, uh, talking about the lions. Then verse fourteen. You know, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but quickly, uh, the nobles were felt threatened by Daniel, and um, the king. The king loved Daniel, and they kind of set a trap for him. Said nobody's to pray to any god but the king, and then you know they they caught him and they brought him before the king, and they said he you know he's uh, he's guilty. And the law of the Medes and the Persians was that nothing could once they made the law, it could never be changed. By the king himself could not change it. He had signed that into law, and Daniel was guilty of praying during this period, and nobody was to pray but to the king. And so he comes, and I pick it up here in verse 14. then the king, when he heard these words, was sore, displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him, but you couldn't deliver him. The law of the Medes and the Persians was strict and applied even to the king. Verse 16, Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now I'll tell you, what a testimony. What a testimony when the king believes your God is powerful enough to deliver you. I love that. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mountain. They, uh, they, they lowered Daniel down into the lion's den, evidently had an entrance from the top. Usually they pictured having a, a big hole at the top with a stairway that kind of went along the outside wall down to the bottom of the den. They lowered and somehow or another lowered Daniel down in there. And they put this stone on there so he couldn't get out. Nobody could get to him. And then the lions, of course, wouldn't be able to get out either. They brought Daniel and they cast him into the lions' den. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, "Thy God, whom thou servest, can they will deliver thee." And the stone was brought, and laid in the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of the lords, and the pur- pur- that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now let's let's, let's, let's use our imagination again. This is another situation of being, of having to face a death experience for God. Daniel knows he must pray even no matter what the law said because he knew even though he was a man under authority that when the authorities tell you to do something that God tell you not to do something that God tells you to do you always have to obey God if our government says you can't pray can't witness you can diso- you just, I, mean, I expect to get a whipping. Like I said, they don't bear the sword in vain. And God may let you get whipped to the place of dying for his namesake. But whatever you do, you want to make sure that you obey God rather than man in those areas. Now, I see people out there willing to to want to obey authority for for preferences. You don't disobey authority on preferences. You disobey authority only on real clear straightforward, concrete areas where a whole bunch of other Christians would agree with if you brought it to them, okay? Be careful not getting brought into not paying your taxes because they use the money for bad stuff. That is not an area where to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, you know, and taxes. Look, when I pay my taxes, I do it in good faith. What they do with it, they're responsible for, I'm not. So there's people out there that call themselves Christians that will disobey authority over areas that really the Bible does not give permission. Also expect to get beaten, but don't have God on your side on that. That would be bad. So the choice here for Daniel is to trust in God no matter what happens to him. There's no really reasoning around it. He went ahead and prayed no matter what because it was was his custom to pray and it was God's will that he pray. And he simply trusted in God in spite of the fear of the authority and the trouble that was coming his way. He just kept doing right. He was willing to take what was going to come to him, wasn't he? So let's just imagine Daniel's there praying. He hears some feet coming down the way, some soldiers. They knock on his door. They demand entry. He goes to the door, opens it up, submits to them. They tie him up. He feels the ropes maybe around his feet his wrists. They bring him over to the king. He sees the king. He sees the king has grief on his face and is upset about what he did. The Bible says he's upset with himself for making this law because he loved Daniel. He knew Daniel was a righteous guy. But he sees the glee in the eyes of the liberals. He sees the glee in their eyes that they got him. We got you. We got you. You are going into the lion's den. You now are a criminal of the state. We have made we have tricked you into being a criminal of the state. The trouble is, and they and they, they probably thought we finally got rid of this independent fundamental Baptist. Those people have been a thorn in our side. Every time we try to do something, they're there to try to block us and tell us God is not for it. Every time we want to do the transgender bathrooms or every time we want to uh, okay homosexuality or every time we want to okay uh, strip clubs and and, and immoralities and pornographies and child pornography and, and pedophile behavior, they're always there saying, that's wrong, that's sin, that's wicked, don't do it. Oh, that bothers us. We finally got this guy. And we got the big boy. We got the head guy. Daniel, he's the man. Everybody under him will cave in after he goes down. So they got him. They bring him. And they tell the king, got to do it. And so Daniel hears it. He knows the score. He knows what's going on. He knows about the lion's Then, no doubt about it. These massive beasts, some four, five, 600-pound beasts, I believe they get that big. They, they keep them fairly hungry. These animals, these lions are fairly ruthless the way they eat you. Usually one lion will grab you by the neck, begin to suffocate you, and the other lions will begin to rip your flesh off of you before you're dead. Did Daniel, and was Daniel afraid? I think he was. I don't, I, I don't think a human being can be brought up to that and not have some fear. I don't doubt that he got some cold sweats on that. I I don't doubt at all that his heart began to go, brother. He may have went into AFib. Uh, he, he probably had a 200-minute a minute heartbeat, his blood pressure. Probably went up there to 240. Or You know, I had an emergency room doctor. I got in a head collision a while back and broke my sternum top to bottom. And my blood pressure was a little high. And so the nurse was upset. My blood pressure was high, you know. Um, And and so the big boy, you know, the trauma guy comes. The guy's been there forever, you know, this trauma doctor. God bless his soul. He came up to me and he said, I think I had 200 over 110 or something. He said, oh, I said, that's nothing. He says, when somebody's been hurt, their blood pressure will go 350. I never knew blood pressure went that high, brother. I never knew it. He said, I've seen guys in here with 350, 360 over whatever, you know, and it was a big number. I don't remember what it was. But I I said, he said, 200, he's hurt, he's in pain, it's fine. The nurses left me alone. You know, leave him alone, man. And I don't. So I thought. I thought you needed to know that. I think Daniel was in pain, man. I think he was in emotional pain, and he was gonna, he was gonna be ripped apart by these lions. And man, who? There's nothing worse than a. There's nothing worse than a cat, and there's nothing worse than a hungry cat. I mean, these cats were hungry, man. They were vicious. They were lions. Nobody's the king of the beasts, they call them. So I think he's heart-raised. It did. He trusted God right into the fear, before the fear, into the fear, and through the fear. Amen? He did. So the men lower him. They cast him into the lion's den. The lions, he can hear their roar. I'm sure when they opened it up, what do you smell when you open up a place where lions have been kept for a while without... Nobody, I mean, who's going to go in there and clean it up? That thing smells of flesh that they've given them and animals that they've given them and then the manure. And and you know, cat is bad. I can walk, when I used to be able to smell, I could walk in your house and tell you you had cats. I don't care how good you were with your cats. I can walk in the house. I can't anymore. I can't smell nothing anymore. But I i walk walking around and say, ooh. Smells like cat dung. You know what I mean? They, they, cats are nasty. And I've lost about half of you. The other half are my loyal friends because they're with me on the. But you can't straddle that. You know. So they bring him down in there. He can hear the lion's roar. Now, you ever heard a lion roar close? It's deafening. It is deafening. Deafening. I mean, it it's like a it's like when you it's like when you castrate a pig. The, the the squeal of a pig is so it's deafening. It's absolutely. They. Tom was telling me them old farmers were about half of them deaf because they didn't wear hearing protection when they castrated all them pigs, you know, at their farm. And I can I get it, man. I get it. We did a a couple of my pigs, and I mean they were just whoa. Oh, 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 man, oh, man. Imagine that lion's roaring. He hears the sound of that. He's sweating. He thinks, any minute now, Lord God, please keep it short. Please let him get me quick. Please let him crush my head or do something like that. I just love you and I want to stand for you. That's all I want to do. And he and he maybe even hears the lions. He feels the wind of them walking by him. I don't know how close they got to him. I don't know how much actually they roared, but typically he did what they did. And, 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 he's, and, and, all, and, you know, he's there for, for a minute, maybe two minutes. That's the longest two minutes he's ever had in his whole life. Now three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, half hour, hour, three hours, five hours, eight hours, ten hours. He hears the lid of the thing break, the seal break, and, and he hears the voice of the king say, Daniel! Did your God come and save you? He said, yes, he sent his angel and stopped the mouth of the lions. But Daniel was not spared the fear. He was not spared the emotions. He didn't lose his smell or he didn't lose his hearing. God wanted him to know what he got saved from. Because God not only wants the heathen to know that he's the Lord, but he wants you and me to know he's the Lord too. The idea of these two scenes, whether it be the three Hebrew boys in the furnace or the lion's den, is you're not to stop short just because it looks like it's going bad. Go all the way with God. Had Daniel changed his mind somewhere in the process of that thing, he would have never known the power of God. Had the three Hebrew boys changed their minds somehow in the process of that thing, they would have never known the power of God. They would have never walked with the angel of God. They would have never. They walked out of that fire without the smell of fire on them. When God does a miracle, he does a miracle, brother. You can't go buy smoke without it catching and grabbing you, and yet they came out of that thing, and the and the people were smelling the smoke, and then they no, it's not a smell of smoke on their on their garments, and Daniel didn't have a scratch on him. And the part of the story I like maybe the best, and maybe I shouldn't, is they grabbed all them people that accused him. their wives, their children, and their whole family and threw them in the lion's den. The lions killed them before they hit the bottom of the thing. Wow. That day God was exalted, wasn't he? Don't run just before the deliverance. Don't move on God just before he delivers you. Decide what's right and stay with it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future here in America. I may be talking to some martyrs here this, this evening. I may be talking to some martyrs. I mean, future martyrs. In my lifetime, we've really not had anybody. We've not been asked in my lifetime to die for the cause of Christ. Not even really close. Oh, I've been I've been asked by God to go into some dangerous environments, some street environments you police are in all the time. I've been asked to go in some of them, but nothing really where you knew you were going to... Nothing like, nothing like these people. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people in this room or over the Internet that God's going to ask you to pay the ultimate price for Him. And All I can tell you is don't let the fear, don't let the humanity of it scare you away from it. Stick with it. Go all the way to the end. If it's right, then die for it by the grace of God all the way. And God will meet you in the fire. And God will meet you in the lion's den, and he'll be with you. You're human. I'm human. We're just afraid humanly, but spiritually we just trust. And may God give us a grace. Do you know, for those people that are martyred for Jesus' sake, the Bible says this interesting thing. It says that those that have been martyred for Jesus' sake have a special place Around the throne of God. Now, all I can tell you is that's somewhere where you'd want to be. You say, "Well, do I even want to be around the throne?" of You want to be, and that's going to be reserved for those who who gave their life for the cause of Christ. And that's been all through the ages. The people have been asked to do that. Now, I'm not I'm not sitting up here saying, "Lord, I want to die for you." I've died spiritually, but I'm, I'm not up here saying, "Hey, I want to die physically for you, Lord." But I got to be willing to and ready to. Amen. And the Lord help us to maybe understand this passage a little more, get the feeling of these people who stood up for God. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the exhortations it gives us. Pray that you'd be with us. Help us have a heart like Daniel, a heart like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, a pure heart, an honest heart before you. We pray, Father, that in the future, as that thing goes on in America, if if you ask your people to take a stand and be willing to lose everything, sacrifice everything for your name, may they be willing to do it, knowing that just on the other side of that decision comes your blessing, your presence, your power, Manifestation of your glory. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us no matter what happens. If you're in this room tonight without Christ, your personal Savior, I beg you, make a definitive decision for Jesus. You don't get saved by osmosis, you don't get saved by hanging around Christians, going to church, getting baptized, taking communion. You get saved when you personally ask Jesus verbally to be your Savior. Repenting of your sin and trusting him as the the crucified, buried, and risen Savior. You receive not, the Bible says, because you ask not. And and John says, but to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the children of God. Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior tonight? I hope you know you know. If not, let us help you see it. Go over it with you. Pray with you. Father, do a great work tonight if we born-again believers, wherever this thing may go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.